It's four o'clock in the morning, and you have to go to the bathroom. Again. Don't just suffer. Get Preso. Made from all natural ingredients grown right here in Israel, Preso brand Opuntima capsules can help men suffering from prostate or urinary problems and women suffering from incontinence or cystitis. Don't just suffer. Get Preso. On the web at www.preso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O dot com. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and, well, quite frankly, all of creation. This is Ray Patterson. You're here on the Noahide Nation show on Israel National Radio, and I've got to tell you, it's great to be back. We've got a really great show today, but I, I want to take a minute before we get started and kind of uh, let you in on some changes and where we've been and, and all of that good stuff, kind of get you up to date. First of all, let me apologize because we have been off the air far longer than uh, I, I thought we were going to be. But nonetheless, uh, both Adam and I had run into a lot of scheduling conflicts and just weren't able to make this thing happen, especially after you got married. And some of you are probably well aware that uh, Adam's wife, Melinda, is now uh, uh, pregnant. So they've got a little one on the way. And, uh, you know, obviously their life is going to change as they know it. So they haven't fully realized that yet. But after the first one comes, then they'll be old pros. But in the meantime, he's had to uh, move uh, out to Odessa, which is pretty far from where we used to record the show, about 400 miles. So it's a very difficult commute. So uh, we had kind of decided to go ahead and take a, a bit of a sabbatical to try and work out some technology issues, and we weren't able to make that happen. So I was going to go ahead and start doing the show myself because, uh, and God bless all of you, you had been sending in emails continuously wanting to know where the show was, where it went, is everything okay, are you guys coming back, and you know, God love you. I mean, you, you folks are just the greatest. You're the ones that really spurred me on uh, to get back on the air as soon as possible. So I, I thank you for that encouragement. I have been able to find myself a new co-host, and we've been able to work out the technology, and this is truly now an international show. And let me go ahead and introduce, for the first time, Mr. Prescott Johnson, who is going to be co-hosting uh, Noahide Nations right along with me. Prescott is located up in Nova Scotia, Canada, up in his studio. And, of course, I'm in Texas in my studio. Prescott, come on in here. Say hello to the folks. Hello, folks. How are you doing? <laughs> well, Pre that's, that's what you told me to do. Yeah, well, Pre <laughs> Prescott, uh, it, it's, it is really good to, to have you here. I mean, Prescott and I have known uh, each other for, for quite a while now and uh, have, have uh, really... Uh, 
uh, grown on each other. Uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but that's what that's what happens with friends. And uh, uh, certainly Prescott and I have become very good friends. And I think he's going to be a tremendous asset to the show. And 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 I think you'll see that as as time goes on. Uh, I do want to do a little bit of housekeeping because the emails that you've been sending, you can still send those in at the Noahide at IsraelNationalRadio.com. And once again, thank you for the inspiration that you folks who did write in in our absence, uh, that inspiration really was a driving force behind me getting back on air and and finding another co-host. Uh, today's show, uh, Prescott, we had decided that we were going to kind of start off where uh, Adam and I had kind of left off, and that was in reviewing uh, the seven Noahide laws. And let me just go ahead as a reminder and review those with uh, our, our audience, because it, it seems like it has been a while. But the seven Noahide laws include not to commit idolatry, not to commit murder, not to commit theft, not to commit blasphemy, uh, no sexual transgressions, uh, not to eat the limb of a living animal, and also to set up the courts of justice. Adam and I had done uh, a couple shows, uh, two or three shows, on idolatry. And the one that we voted, and it was a two-to-zero vote between Prescott and I, we were going to go ahead and uh, start off on the topic today of theft. We have a feeling that this is probably going to take at least two shows, maybe three shows, because theft is one of the more critical ones. And you'll know what uh, I mean once we start getting into this uh, a little bit. Prescott, why don't you, you know, kind of tune the folks in. Uh, how, how long you've been in Noahide? Uh, in fact, let me put it this way. You may all remember we did an interview with uh, uh, Prescott. He was the uh, Noahide Canuck. So if you ever, if you get a chance and go back in the archives, just look for the show that was Noahide Canuck. And lo and behold, that'll be Prescott uh, that we are interviewing. But just as a refresher, uh, why don't you tell the folks uh, a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, Ray. Um I have uh, I had left the church uh, back in the early 90s and uh, made quite a journey uh, along the way. It took some time to really find my my space, as it were. And so, in the uh, early uh, 2000s, um, had uh, started looking seriously at, uh, uh, at the Noahide laws, but because of some confusion that seemed to be uh, out in the ether because I did most of my research on the web that I really could not find a place for community. And it wasn't until I discovered Noahide Nations here, uh, I guess it's a year and a half ago, uh, that uh, that I really found a place uh, where I could uh, become involved in a community. Uh, you know, not the same way you have community when you have people living next to you who believe the same things as you, but at least you're able to share with other people online uh, through various, uh, you know, through various uh, forums like uh, the Noahide Nation site and uh, the Yahoo group. Uh, and and since then, I've uh, been able to sort of redouble my efforts in pursuing uh, learning the laws and uh, becoming a more observant Noahide over time. So there's still a lot that I have to learn. But uh, anyway, uh, I guess that's kind of my role here is to be kind of the uh, the uh, uh, the provocative student who uh, sometimes is asking more questions as opposed to giving answers. And uh, 
And th- and that's okay because you've been you've been doing this for a little while longer than me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and one thing I'll always say for sure is that, uh, uh, and oftentimes uh, people realize this as they're going through this, is that the student oftentimes becomes the teacher uh, <laughs> because even though you know the Noahide laws are uh, the old, it's, you know, I guess you could call it the oldest religion known to man. It, it is relatively new as far as it's uh, being resurrected. Uh, some you know thirty years. Years ago, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of folks that are, are just new to this, but uh, it seems because they have a real heart for the truth, uh, they tend to start catching on uh, rather quickly. Uh, as obviously you did, uh, I did, and many of the people that I've met, uh, once they've made that commitment and they realize they found the truth, uh, they're well on the way to being a not just a student, but uh, an excellent student. Yeah. Well, and, and in many respects, um for those of us who've come out of religious backgrounds, uh, that many aspects of that religion contained elements of truth that translated quite easily into uh, learning the Shiva Mitzvot, the seven laws. But but right. I will say this, that uh, actually when you're sitting down and looking at studying what those laws mean, all of a sudden you realize that while you may have talked about the Ten Commandments in uh, in, in a previous understanding of it, when you actually sit down and start to examine the laws, all of a sudden a whole new world opens up uh, in terms of how you begin to see your world and how you begin to see what right and wrong really is. That it's not about a perception, it's, it's about really about tangible what we do every day, every moment of the day, in, in everything. And certainly I think when we start talking about the laws of theft, that that's something that's really going to come out clearly is that I don't think that there is a single commandment that on a day-to-day basis we need to struggle with more than uh, than the prohibition against theft. Well, I agree. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, theft is one of the most critical ones. And I was just thinking, you know, when you mentioned the that you were in the Christian church, and I know that you know, most of us actually you know, came out of the Christian church uh, either directly or indirectly by way of the Messianic movement. Uh, it, it suddenly hit me that, gosh, you know what? Christianity, and this is going to be rather bold of me to say this, and I'm not saying it to offend anybody, but uh, quite frankly, Christianity at, at, at a level I would have to consider theft. Uh, in the way that they do certain things and, and, and some of the things that they believe is is a, is a literally theft. And as we you know kind of get into the law of theft, uh, some of this will begin to make a, a whole lot more sense than just me sitting here raving about it. <laughs> so right. <laughs> so let's let's maybe uh, you know get into that a little bit. And you know, I'm not sure uh, if you're aware of this, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask this uh, uh, question. And that's you know where in Torah, did the f- first theft happen? Do you have Do you have any idea? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I guess uh, two come to mind, and uh, and obviously in preparing for the show, I did a little bit of reading. So I, I guess, uh, <laughs> good man. Maybe, maybe I'm cheating <laughs> see, a bit. See you, do, <laughs> you do learn quickly. <laughs> uh, but um, I, my. Uh, my guess is that the first theft, uh, I believe, is the actual when 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 God uh, commanded uh, Adam and Eve to not touch the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That uh, that 
that was uh, when they did that that was in, in essence taking something that they were forbidden from taking so that would have been the first theft in uh, in the Torah and okay. and the second one and that's go ahead <laughs> and the second one that comes to mind although this here is kind of uh, I did I didn't read this anywhere but it was an extrapolation that I took from the idea that one of the um, one of the reasons why Cain uh, the eldest son of Adam and Eve uh, struck down his brother was because he didn't want to share the inheritance of the earth with his brother. And uh, so, in essence, he wanted to keep it for himself. So he took something that wasn't his, uh, you know, because he didn't want to share it with his brother. And uh, so that would be kind of an extrapolation, I think. But anyway, that those would be two examples. Yeah, and, and, and that circumstance, indeed, uh, uh, would be categorized as theft. Uh, but let me take you back to uh, Genesis in, in, the, in the very beginning, Breshit uh, 3, uh, 1, 4, and 5. And let me just kind of read something because this is where I believe and have, have learned and been taught that this is actually where the first theft had occurred. And uh, it, it, those verses say, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And then verse 4 goes on to say that, And the serpent said to the woman, Surely you shall not die. And then in verse 5 he says, For God knows that in that day you eat it, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So when we talk about a, a, a theft, this theft is actually being committed by Satan, if you will, the, the, the serpent. And we'll learn kind of uh, why that is in a moment here, but I want to get to one of the points you brought up, and that's the, the, the second uh, act was indeed committed by man. And that's in uh, Genesis uh, 3, 6, where it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Now, we beg the, it begs the question, why are these two examples considered theft? Well, you know, quite frankly, what is theft? And, and really, in order to answer these two questions, we have to answer another question, and, and that is, what is necessary for theft to even exist? Uh, basically, in terms of tangible items, private ownership must exist in order for theft to, to actually occur in the sense that we're speaking of. And ownership by way of, you know, you purchase something, uh, or you were the one who produced the goods. Uh, for example, you had a garden and, and you grew the crops and somebody came in and stole them. But they were yours because you're the one who grew them. Uh, or something that you may have created and you uh, have a copyright or a patent on it and somebody steals it. But you are the creator of it. Uh, you can also trade. I mean, barter. If you trade an item that you have uh, to another individual and they give you an item in return and somebody steals that item, you are in possession of it. It's your item. It is considered theft. And so does uh, uh, we go back to the serpent committing 
the theft, how can that be? How did the serpent commit theft? Well, if, if we notice in the Ten Commandments, and if you can all visualize the two tablets, and there's five commandments on each, uh, which, by the way, the first five uh, commandments are there to teach us how to have relationship with Hashem. A spiritual relationship, if you will. Uh, the second set of five is how to have relationship with man. And if you're looking at the, the two tablets side by side, you'll see that commandment eight is directly across from you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And if we look at uh, Breshit 3, 1, 4, and 5, the serpent spoke on behalf of God by saying, Has God said... He also contradicted God by saying, Surely you shall not die. And again, he makes a statement, For God knows. In other words, he's speaking for God. My friends, this is a form of blasphemy, of course, but it is also theft. And and what did he uh, steal? He stole the dignity, uh, the sanctity, and, and the, the honor and the glory of, of Hashem, the, the creator of all things. And, uh, you know, of course, the obvious question is, you know, who did he steal it from? It would have to be Hashem. So we can kind of see that that is, is really where the first theft occurs. But, but it's not readily apparent as, as theft when you initially read it, is it? Exactly. It, it really isn't. And uh, that's why it's, it's funny you mentioned that uh, uh, rabbis always, uh, they can sit and they can do a discourse on a single verse for two weeks right. <laughs> and this is the kind of stuff that they extrapolate uh, this and then some obviously i mean they are able to get into the uh, uh deeper levels uh, uh of of the meaning and the understanding and this is part of that this is a little bit deeper than the prashat level deeper than the basic level of understanding of those particular verses and again, if we look at the second occurrence, you know, how did Adam and Eve commit theft? This one is a little bit more obvious. Mm. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, did, did not God create all things, including the tree of knowledge? Yeah, it was so it was well, of course. Yeah, it was the, so obvious I was even able to figure it out. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you were. Like I said, yeah, and you learned quickly. And of course, who owns the tree? Well that you know, the answer is Hashem. And you know, what did Hashem say about the tree? Uh, and we see that plainly in Genesis two sixteen, where it says and, and the Lord commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. In verse seventeen, however, it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it for in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die Mm. so we see that the owner of the property has issued a command that you're not supposed to eat from that particular tree but i am a merciful god you can eat from any other tree but that one and lo and behold, what did they steal? Well, they stole the fruit or the knowledge of the tree which the owner, Hashem, commanded them not to do so. And uh, we have to look at what did they steal again. It's, it's no different than what the serpent did. They stole the dignity. They stole the, the sanctity, the honor, the, the glory of the, the creator and the owner of all things, even though we look at the tangible item as a fruit and or the, the knowledge. And, of course, they stole it from Hashem. Uh, So we see that these are the first two occurrences 
of of theft. One is very deep in the in the text, and the other is right there, plain as a nose on your face. <laughs> well, now, uh, it I guess in in my mind, and I certainly have no desire to sort of steer this uh, in some other direction. So uh, you have to be the disciplined one to bring me back into line, if uh, if you think I'm doing that. Uh, be, because I remember listening to um, uh, Rabbi uh, Emmanuel Shochet, uh, and he was talking about uh, you know what is right and what is wrong, uh, because we live in a very relativistic world where, like, even in this story, you see how uh, Eve concluded from uh, what the serpent had said that there was something uh, that there was something that was beneficial in the uh, in the taking of this fruit and so there was kind of a justification that kind of entered her mind and and uh, Rabbi Shochet was talking about you know well, well is it really what what is really wrong with breaking any of the commandments uh, you know because many people want to take the commandments and and rationalize them as commandments that make sense we do them because they make sense as opposed to doing them because God has commanded them and he made an argument and I thought it was very interesting that um, that none of the commandments really make sense on a human level. That even even the commandment to uh, you know commit theft is really something that only makes sense when we have human dignity in place, when we have the concept of God in place. Because what is really wrong with me if all I am is just a, a slightly more evolved animal? What is wrong with me taking uh, something from somebody else that I need for to sustain myself? What's what's really saying that that's wrong for me to do that um, if if I'm just an animal? And it really comes down to that God revealed to us that it was wrong, and it's only because we have acted on that that we discovered the benefit of obeying the commandment. And then we conclude after we've discovered that obeying the commandment is beneficial that, oh, it's rational that we actually follow this, when really, if all we are is animals, it's not. Look at any animal. A dog will steal from another dog. Uh, you know, a lion will steal from another lion, and and that's part of the animal kingdom. And that's how we right. that's how we would be without that instruction. We wouldn't rationalize. Exactly. We wouldn't rationalize that stealing is wrong. We would take from our neighbor what we wanted, and we would steal and not think twice about it because it's all about looking after me, and we'd be acting like animals. Right, and quite frankly, the, if you watch the news pretty regularly, uh, it would seem that there's a lot of animals running around these exactly. days. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and you're right. Uh, in fact, uh, the Rambam uh, speaks of this in his uh, Mishnah Torah, uh, and I believe it's uh, uh, Hilkot Melakim, uh, uh, Law of Kings, and that is that if 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 you keep these laws because they they make rational sense. And, and obviously at the surface level, many of these do, in fact, uh, quite virtually all the seven do. Uh, but if you keep it because it makes rational sense, you are considered wise, but you're, you're not uh, entitled to a place in the world to come. Hmm. But if you do them because God commanded you to do them, then it becomes irrelevant whether it's rational or not. 
Uh, I mean, even if they weren't rational, they were, let's say, decrees where we didn't really understand what they were all about, but did them because Hashem commanded us to do them. In that case, we are not only considered pious amongst the nations, we are also worthy of a place in the world to come. Right. And and I see we're really bumping up uh, against the bottom of the hour already, and we're going to have to uh, move on so uh, Israel National Radio can uh, uh, make a buck or two here. So uh, let's go ahead and get out of here, Prescott. We'll catch you all on the other side of the break. Politics. Jewish mysticism. End of days. Human interest stories. The all-new Tamar Yona Show. The show broadcasts live Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday and Monday nights, 12 midnight. Add seven hours for Israel time. Join me, Tamar Yona, on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Don't miss it. It's the best show to crash to. This is Avram Perot from Houston, Texas, here on vacation in Aaron Cicero with my wife, Hetty. And we are broadcasting right now from Arut Sheva, IsraelNationalRadio.com. And it is amazing what these people have accomplished here. All of you who listen to Arut Sheva on a regular basis, I can tell you that it really deserves our respect. You are listening to IsraelNationalRadio.com. everybody. We're certainly glad that you stuck around for the second half of the show here on Noahide Nations. And uh, once again, uh, we're back uh, live, as it were, and we're going to be here weekly to bring you everything we possibly can in the way of the Noahide laws, the Noahide community, the Noahide movement. We'll be interviewing rabbis, Noahides. Uh, we're going to be interviewing everybody. In fact, if any of you have a really good rabbi that you think uh, would have an interest in coming on the station and teaching us a little bit, please just let us know. Send us an email at noahide at israelnationalradio.com. So Prescott, we've been talking about theft. And I wanted to kind of, you know, bring back the the whole topic in a in kind of a a, a straightforward way because, of course, we know the the commandment not to mm. commit theft is really just the umbrella category, and oftentimes uh, people really don't know what that means. They they think of it in a in a basic level. Well, gosh, I don't take anything from anyone else. So therefore, I never commit theft. Well, I, I want to go ahead and run through real quickly uh, some of the subcategories of the umbrella category of theft. For example, against stealing and against committing robbery. There are you know two different meanings behind stealing and robbery. Uh, uh, stealing is basically done, shall we say, behind the scenes, and the only one that really knows about it is Hashem. Robbery is basically something done through an act of violence in, in order to achieve uh, the theft. Uh, and, and we also have against shifting landmarks, which I know we probably have read in the Torah. Against cheating, repudiating a claim of money owed. It's against overcharging, against coveting 
against desiring. Uh, a laborer shall be allowed to eat of the fruit among which he works under certain conditions. And in the uh, Torah, and in particular, the, the Talmud discusses this. Uh, it's against a laborer eating of such fruit which certain conditions are not met. So if they violate the conditions and do eat anyway, it's as good as uh, being you know, Adam and Eve all over again. Uh, we also, and this is a biggie, against kidnapping against the use of false weights and measures, which we also read about in Torah. In fact, that one is so powerful that it, it, it even one of the subcategories is against the possession of false weights and measures. Not just the act of, but actually owning devices that are for that purpose. And then we have uh, a couple more subcategories. Uh, uh, one shall not exact in the use of weights and measures and that the robber shall return or pay for the stolen object if they happen to be caught. So, we can see here it's so much more than just stealing an item that doesn't belong to you. There are many, many instances of things that we never think about uh, that, you know, who would think that, you know, a, a coveting or, or desiring something would be considered theft. Well, it is. I mean, I guess the most recent event is Tiger Woods. I mean, let's talk about a guy who coveted and desired. I mean, uh, you know, obviously uh, the, uh, his being exposed is, you know, a tragic thing. But at the same time, <laughs> his being ex- exposed can now uh, give him an opportunity to repent and, and seek forgiveness from his creator and, and from his family. But he did commit theft. And it, we need to understand that. And so I kind of wanted to you know, start the segment off by, by bringing a focus onto the subcategories so we have a deeper understanding uh, of, of what theft truly is. Hmm. Now, now uh, just uh, you, you brought up Tiger Woods. Uh, and, and understand that this is not about us talking about Tiger Woods. Tiger is a public figure, um, and this news is out there. But we can take and we can learn from these examples of why their behavior is wrong that sometimes we really don't think about. Because one of the things that uh, I would see, and it might not be the most obvious one, is a theft that was committed there was the trust that people had placed in Tiger Woods in terms of his name brand, in terms of what he represented as a, 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 a you know, right. like a, a good sportsman, fair-minded, and so on. And a lot of people's trust has now been destroyed. It's been stolen from them by his actions. And, and, that, is, and that is one form, or I, I guess sort of if we peel away the layers, that's, that's another layer uh, apart from the most obvious one in terms of his actual actions. Is that fair? Like, yeah, like you say, we're not here to condemn Tiger Woods. Uh, we can certainly condemn the act. But let's face it, Tiger Woods isn't the first one who's ever done anything like this. <laughs> no. But but isn't it interesting that it's we we never actually uh, unfortunately until so many uh, and certainly this happens in the public sphere that so many people don't actually get around to repenting until after they're caught. <laughs> right. It's almost as it's almost as if they're saying they're sorry because they got caught, <laughs> not exactly, because exactly. of what they got caught doing. <laughs> yeah. It's a, 
okay, I got caught. I'll stop doing it now. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it does call into question the you know the true morals of of individuals who do that. And again, you know, we're not here to condemn uh, you know Tiger Woods or or anybody who happens to uh, get caught for doing the same thing. And we know there's been many. Uh, if hmm. you just uh, you know read a couple of tabloid magazines. Uh, yeah, start looking at some of the politicians uh, oh, you know, that have had to resign or, uh, or uh, you know, have uh, ended up with their marriages ruined because of, uh, you know, inappropriate behavior. But Exactly. Anyway. Well, and speaking of inappropriate behavior, uh, I would like to kind of you know, direct this towards the significance of theft, why this law is so important. You always have to believe that the first one, not to commit idolatry, is the most important, and truly it is. But we can see from the Torah, if we think back to the story of Noah, uh, and we'll kind of go through some of the verses here, uh, but it was not idolatry that caused Hashem to destroy all flesh. It was theft. It was robbery. It was corruption that mm. caused the destruction of all flesh. Not just mankind, but all flesh, except for the uh, uh, fish in, in the sea, the marine life. And why is that? It's because the marine life was unable to see mankind doing this to each other, whereas all the uh, land based animals were able to view these acts being done by mankind and you know brings in the old saying the the eyes are the window to the soul well indeed it is so if we kind of go back to that story and 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 see why theft is is so devastating and and the significance behind it uh we all all we have to do is uh look at genesis 6 uh, 11 through 13 and i'll just you know kind of read through it real quickly here uh it it says now the earth had become corrupt before god and the earth had become filled with robbery and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupted, for all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth. God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with robbery through them, and behold, I am about to destroy them from the earth. So we see that it had nothing to do frankly, with with the acts of idolatry, which was also being committed at the time. Uh, you know, there, there was a one side of the people that worshipped Hashem only, the attribute of mercy, if you will, uh, and another group that uh, worshipped Elohim, uh, the judge, if, if you will, uh, the, you know, the, the strictness of the commandments. Yes, indeed, that's idolatry, and that was occurring, but that's not what caused Hashem to destroy all flesh. It was corruption and robbery. And he says it as, as plain as day. And so these are the things that we need to look at in terms of what they truly are. And for example, you know, what is what is what is corruption? And and you know, I want to I want to get into that. And I also also want to uh, get into robbery and, and the the truest definitions. Uh, and you know, why immorality and idolatry is also considered theft. So does hmm. that does that sound good to you? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think it does. The because uh, I guess the thought that it, that had occurred to me is that it is one thing for how we interact with our Creator, which is one type of relationship. But when Hashem looked down and saw how we were treating each other, that 
we can't survive when when we're destroying one another and there's and there's a as as certainly as bad as perhaps idolatry is and it is when we actually start committing lawlessness against one another we actually destroy what god intended to create which was uh you know uh, an, an earth filled with people who actually got along with each other right and 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 this was destroying it now maybe one fed into the other the fact that they were idolatrous led them to how they began to it corrupted how they saw each other and that maybe that's why they did it but that again it's kind of like how you treat the creator is one thing but when you actually begin destroying one another it's kind of like how can you uh, how can we how can we claim uh to have a relationship with god and and view that relationship as important if how we treat one another is the exact opposite right you right. can't so, you cannot treat his creation in right. in that fashion and then turn around and wave the flag of righteousness that you have a relationship <laughs> with god well, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work <laughs> exactly and, and that and that's again back to why theft is so important is because it is in many ways most of our our civil laws are really designed around protecting one another against thievery that people perpetrate against each other. Uh, you know, we have, you know, we kind of have, we do have laws where uh, if you commit murder, then uh, the state takes action and will take you to court and so on, and off you go to jail. But in terms of what what generates lawsuits, what generates so much of the legal activity between people, is based on theft. And and right. when we we treat each other that way, we are destroying ourselves, uh, and we're destroying our society. And the whole idea behind the the no hide laws is to create a social system in which we will behave righteously with one another and before our God. Right. So. In fact, it's interesting uh, uh, you say that because if you sit and and do uh, a really an in depth study of all the Ten Commandments or the Seven Commandments you will find that in violating uh, any of those, uh, you are committing theft as well. Yeah. It may not yeah. be as a, apparent as other circumstances, but if you really look at it, the act of, of theft could be a violation of all of the commandments. So right, right. that could be and could possibly answer, uh, at least in part, why Hashem decided to go ahead and destroy all flesh. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's let's you know kind of look at that for a moment and, and and you know ask ourselves what what is corruption, and we see in the Talmud in, in Sanhedrin fifty seven a where it says whenever corruption is mentioned it must refer to Im- immorality, and idolatry, and of course for for those of you who don't know uh, the Talmud is is actually the oral law. It uh, is is uh, uh, necessary to to follow uh, the Talmud because it was basically Hashem explaining to Moshe what the written law was all about, and that's what the the, the Talmud is. It's basically the the oral law. Now, in the the Midrash, uh, in fact, Midrash uh, Rabbah Genesis for Genesis uh, in Genesis thirty one five, it says because the earth is filled with violence, Hamas through them. And, and Hamas, of course, means violence. 
and we look at you know the word uh, uh, gazelle, which is robbery. Uh, Rabbi Hanina says uh, Hamas violence refers to what is worth a pruta, or in other words, a coin of the smallest value. That's what that is, and and robbery is uh, also includes to what is less value than the smallest valued coin. And because you know we also need to be fair and balanced on this show, uh, we can go ahead and throw the Zohar in there, uh, where it's uh, <laughs> uh, discussing you know Bereshit in, in Volume One, Page Sixty. Uh, Rabbi Hosea, uh, he says, you know, I interpret it in the reverse sense, namely that at first the earth was corrupted before God, that is that they committed their sins secretly, so as to be known only to God but not to man. They finished however, by coming out into the open, which is mm. kind of what I was referring to by the, with the definitions of stealing and robbery. And also when you talk about committing sin, usually uh, the, the person commits a sin the first time, they feel guilty, they feel bad, they wonder why they did it, uh, and, and they just you know, feel horrible about it. They go out and will commit the same sin a second time, and that, you know, some of that guilt goes away. Some of that feeling bad goes away. They go out and commit it a third time. There's even less. And by the time you get to the fourth committing of the same sin, there is no feeling of guilt. There is no feeling bad. It then becomes part of your nature. And now you have to go to extreme effort to try and reverse that, that trend. So, in, in, in looking, we, we've had kind of a, a brief look at corruption. Let's have a you know, quick look at, at theft or, or robbery. And again, the Talmud in Sanhedrin 57a, with respect to robbery, if one stole secret stealing or robbed stealing by open violence or seized a beautiful woman or committed a similar offense, this is the, the different forms of robbery. Stealing is basically behind the backs of man and in front of Hashem. Robbery is not is, is in, in front of Hashem, uh, uh, most certainly, but also in front of man, where it's just it doesn't make any difference. I'm, I'm stealing from you, and that's it. And if we look at the, uh, once again, the Midrash Rabban, Gen, uh, Genesis 38 and 6, it says, uh, but because the generation of the flood was steeped in robbery, as it is written, they remove the landmarks, they violently take away flocks and feed them. Therefore, not a remnant of them was left. So we, we see from this the significance of the meanings of stealing, the meanings mm-hmm. of, of robbery, the meanings of corruption. Now, begs the question, how serious is theft? Uh, wow. Uh, well, <laughs> I agree I with you. Be... It's pretty serious. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, again, I mean, uh, part of our, our uh, part of what we, part of what we struggle with when we start tackling a subject like this is that once we do begin to understand the profound depths of this uh, of of the many many layers that theft affects, uh, you can't help but see it as being profoundly significant because it does affect everything we do. It, it, like I, I I know we had talked yesterday about. Uh, um, I said that uh, you know when somebody goes, uh, I was re- recalling uh, a a situation where my friend was uh, in a lineup at a grocery store 
and there was a lady that was wanting to check out, but she had uh, she had a, her membership for that particular store had uh, had uh, lapsed, and so she had to renew it, and she refused to go over to the customer service desk to do that. And tied everybody up. Well, she was stealing people's time from them because <laughs> right. she knew what she knew what the right thing was to do was to go over to the customer service desk and looked after that before she went around shopping. But she goes around shopping, comes up, and then expects everybody to put their lives on hold so that she can uh, get her little problem looked after. And she robbed people of their time. And and we and we even see this. Uh, I was coming up to a. Uh, to an intersection, as I say, something very simple, and somebody has a don't walk sign, but they start walking across because they know I'm in a car and I'm not going to run over them, but they think their time is more important than mine. Right. And, and, they don't, and they don't believe that, uh, although they have been legally uh, shown by the light that says don't walk, that they're not supposed to walk, but they say, hey, I'm in a hurry. Uh, and it doesn't matter to me if I hold up somebody else, I'm going to walk and they walk and they make everybody else wait. Well, that's my time and energy that uh, they're taking away from me. Right. And when I cut and when I cut somebody off, I'm doing the exact same thing to someone else. So, Right. And see, you've just given glowing examples of uh, a couple individuals and we see them every day that simply have gone beyond the point of committing sin and feeling guilty. They yep. they have no uh, uh, remorse. They have no feelings of guilt uh, or anything. It, it has become an entitlement now to, to these yeah. people in their minds. And they become very upset and distressed by the fact that mm. uh, we don't look at it in that fashion. You know, right. obviously we look at it in the way that you're looking at it. Hey, you're, you're stealing my time. And there's many, you know, many examples of, of that kind of thing. And, you know, we can, uh, I mean, we can talk about a number of other things. I'm having a problem with uh, somebody who put on the screen room on the back of our house. It's a beautiful room. They did beautiful work. But the, the ceiling, you know, the roof leaks. And whenever it rains, it, it kind of leaks in. And I have called this contractor a, a dozen times if I've called him once. And he's come over and, you know, tried to fix it, come over, try to fix it, come over, try to fix it. And it, it's to this day, it's still not fixed. And this is a year later now. Uh -huh. And it, it's just, it's to the point where I'm beginning to feel like I'm pestering him, which I shouldn't, because you know what? You have wasted my time. You've stolen some of our money because you didn't complete the job thoroughly. Yeah. So now I am going to have to do what a Noahide does, and that's seek justice, which, of course, I will right. do because I, I'm, I'm yep. a Noahide. And, uh, but, but that's not. But that's not because you're mean or no, cranky no. or or not righteous. That that has to do with. I mean, this is part of the problem. Is that uh, many? And this is one of the things that uh, was hard for me to learn, and I I still struggle with it because I like being a nice guy and I like people liking me, and I you know I don't want to make waves. I don't want to take you to court. But the fact is, is that like I I, I think of my um, uh, I think of someone I know who, because uh, when they went in to uh, give birth to a child, that uh, they, um, uh, the doctors had messed up, and as a result, uh, she had a hysterectomy performed and was unable to have children. And her religious proclivity was that, uh, was towards, well, I need to forgive them. And I'm thinking to myself, if you forgive them, they get the opportunity to do the same evil to someone else. 
exactly. And in in fact, there's an excellent point you made. If you feel bad about taking somebody to court, well, let me put it this way: if it wasn't important to seek justice, and in in most countries today you do that through a court. If it wasn't important to do that, God would not have told us to set up courts of justice for the purpose of seeking justice. Right. And and my friends, uh, we're we're bumping up against the top of the hour, and boy, Prescott, this show, this hour just flew by. I, I can't hardly believe it. Uh, but, they, they can't wait for part two. Yeah, no. well, and there is definitely going to be a part two. And so we, we, we want to thank you all for sticking around with us for, for this hour. Uh, we will definitely be back with you next week. And we will continue on with uh, our, our discussion of theft. And in the meantime, you all have a, uh, just have a great week. Uh, Shavua Tov. And always remember, my friends, always look to the heavens for your help from Hashem because my friends he is always looking out for you Shalom Shalom When IDF soldiers are out in the field, they can really use a good pizza or some freshly baked goods. You can't beat our donuts. They're real donuts. Show them that you care. Send a tasty gift to an IDF soldier. Visit our website at Herbie'sBakeShop.com. That's Herbie with a Y. Just fill out the order online. They'll love you for it. Or you can make the Israel National Radio Staff's day by sending them coffee or a pizza break. Just fill out the order online. Herbie'sBakeShop.com. Herbie'sBakeShop.com. Hanukkah is an eight-day holiday commemorating the victory of the Maccabees against the Syrian Greek Empire, which outlawed Torah study and circumcision in an effort to rip Jews away from God. In response, Matityahu and his son Judah the Maccabee with a small band of pious Jews fought against the Syrian army and incredibly won. The Jews reclaimed the Holy Temple, but when it came time to relight the menorah, they found only one jar of oil bearing the pure seal of the high priest. Yet miraculously, the one small jar, which should only have burned for 24 hours, burned for eight days. Ever since then, Jews all over the world light their own menorahs, adding another candle each night. On Hanukkah, it's customary for children to play dreidel and for families to eat oily foods such as fried potato pancakes and jelly donuts. The Hebrew word Hanukkah means dedication. The staff at Avrucheva wishes all its listeners a joyful and meaningful Hanukkah holiday.